0: outer limits it's the IGN digi guys so please welcome two demons with a glass hand Wade Major and Mark Kaiser Yeah, come on, Corey. Uh, who's, who's getting backed up by Purple Haze with that custom-provided intro this week? What fan? That was written by Chevelle Dixon, who is now being sued by Harlan Ellison. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Wade's getting a kick out of that. Uh, yeah, it just made me laugh. Uh, it all made me laugh. And as to why we uh, backed up Chevelle with uh, Purple Haze, that's actually Gary Moore from his new uh, Blu-ray and CD releases of uh, Blues for Jimmy where he pay, play, uh, pays tremendous tribute to uh, Jimi Hendrix. And, you know, you've got you to be a pretty damn good guitarist, actually, to say I'm going to uh, I'm gonna pay homage to Jimmy because you have to actually measure up to Jimmy if you're going to do that. You know, Jimmy has to be able to approve from whatever gigantic rock jam in the sky he's, uh, he's looking down from.
1: Well, that's the thing. You realize that um, La- uh, Blues for Jimmy Live in London was his final album. And so it is a uh, fitting tribute. Uh, yes. I, I guess we're now officially talking about this?
0: Yeah, well, might as well. It's a, you know, they, they, were, they were nice enough to get, send us the, uh, the CD and the Blu-ray.
1: Yeah, it's good-looking stuff. The concert was in uh, 2007, around this time, actually, 2007. And yeah. uh, it's got all sorts of uh, great Jimi Hendrix covers on it. Purple Haze, Manic Depression, Foxy Lady, Wind Cries Mary, uh, Hey Joe, one of my all-time favorite songs, uh, Voodoo Child. So it's great. Gary Moore was a great blues guitarist, and awesome. uh, the uh, the Blu-ray uh, also cont- uh, features um, a couple of members of the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Yep, Mitch Mitchell and Billy Cox. So they're on there too. So uh, this is great stuff. Gary Moore blues for Jimmy. This was his, uh, Gary Moore's last album. And it is a fitting send-off to a great guitarist who's kind of overlooked, actually. I have to say.
0: I, I agree. Really, one of the uh, all the great names that are bandied around, and his is usually never mentioned in the same breath as, as others. But uh, I will say this: uh, we debated before the show whether or not we were going to kind of throw up uh, Foxy Lady or Purple Haze, and Apocalypse now won out over Wayne's World. So uh,
1: that's there because you go. nobody cares about Wayne's World anymore. Although you know what's his name? I uh, do. My, oh, Mike Myers, I guess, is doing a new Austin Powers.
0: I know. Because what else has he got? Well, he's got nothing. What's he
1: going to do? The Guru too? No. Well, <laughs> Come well, on. How about something that's not a sequel? He could always do that. Y-
0: you know what? He tried Sprockets and he pulled the plug himself on that because it wasn't working according to him. I mean, yeah, he's it's... a
1: weird guy. He 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 pulls the plug on Sprockets even though the even though whoever has spent millions of dollars and then he makes DreamWorks re-record all of his voice work for Shrek because he it's wants weird. to give it like a Scottish accent. It's so bizarre. It's just bizarre. He's, he, he seems like a funny guy, but he's probably difficult to work with. Yeah. And I, I, I have no firsthand knowledge of that. I don't know. But he seems like a, a perfectionist who might be difficult to work with.
0: Well, we've also, as long as we're talking about music, uh, got another music title this week, uh, which is just awesome, i got to say. And I say this with all due bias. Uh, this is also from uh, Eagle Eagle Vision. Uh, Freddie Mercury, the great pretender on Blu-ray. Uh, I am such a huge Freddie Mercury fan. I think his loss is just so tragic. That guy just had one of the all-time most unbelievable voices, one of the great rock and roll voices of all time. You know, whatever it was, 16, 17, 18 octaves, who knows? It was something. Astronaut- Eighteen octaves. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's
1: like one hundred and fifty notes, individual uh, it, notes. I it makes it makes
0: dogs bleed from their eye sockets. Uh, but anyway, this is uh, this is really, really, incredibly well put together. It's one hundred and seven minutes long total, and uh, it is it is just the it, it's like the complete and comprehensive look at uh, at Freddie Mercury and his history with Queen. And it's really, really good. There's so much material here, stuff that you've never seen before, will probably never see again. Uh, And it's on Blu-ray, and it's really well mastered, and uh, Eagle just did a fantastic job with it. So if if you're even remotely a Freddie Mercury fan or a Queen fan, you'll just dig this to to all ends of the earth.
1: Well, well, look, of all the things that have been said about Freddie Mercury... Uh, let me just add that he was a great live performer yep he was great he was very theatrical and uh, he gave a great show and he would play stadiums and he would play the entire crowd yeah. and he had a Bruce Springsteen-esque way yeah. to make big stadium concerts he feel just, small
0: yeah no that's true that's really true and you, and you, you totally get that watching this you just, you just completely understand that he's a total performer and it's still such a huge loss because if he were still alive they'd be they'd st- Queen would still be just packing stadiums you know that
1: I, I don't know, man. I hope not. Oh, yeah. If, oh, you know what it's like if Jimi Hendrix was, was alive? If Jimi Hendrix was still alive, or Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain would probably be if Jimmy just had, fat. Uh, it, no, if
0: if Jimmy and Kurt were alive, they would both be like you know trading like shots down on uh, Skid Row or something. Well,
1: uh, what, who, who would Jimmy be? Would Jimmy be like like BB King? Be a junkie.
0: He'd be a junkie. He'd be probably. like BB King. Yeah. Or
1: no, but like BB King, who opens up his own blues clubs and and still plays the blues and Maybe. people still love him Maybe. and revere him, even though he's he's a bit of a corporation now. BB King. Maybe. But I I don't know. Would Jimmy have been active? Would he have kept, Would he have kept up his musical integrity? I don't. Know. I don't know. Like John Lennon.
0: We have some housekeeping to take care of at the top of the show. Oh, wait, do you want food first? Yeah, why not? Okay, Go get food. I'll do the housekeeping.
1: Uh, no, hey, now, here's the thing. Now, yes. you know I've been taking this uh, eight-week baking course, and it was week two last week. Yeah. You come home with so much baked crap. It is just Tupperware. I, I could fill up a Bed, Bath & Beyond. <laughs> all the Tupperware they sell there with all the crap you got to make in four hours. And, wow. And so I'm, I'll give you something that I made okay. at the class, all and right. I'm also going to show you what they gave me. Oh. Very exciting. Ooh. Door, I, in fact, door, I'm going to wear in fact, Huh? Door prizes? No, no. This it's, oh. is it's 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 the douchiest thing. <laughs> I, there's no way I'm going to actually wear this in public, but they give it to you as part of the class. And in fact, when I walk out with your treat of the week, probably probably you made me nothing. Of no, course so not. I make you something every week. Thank you. Um, when I walk out with the treat of the week, I'll walk out with this thing. Mm. And then, so I'm going to go get that. You go get that, and you do the housekeeping.
0: I'll do the housekeeping. Uh, excuse me. Uh, as of this uh, recording, the uh, podcast from last week still cuts off at 37 minutes. Some of you emailed us about it. Some complained on the uh, the Facebook page about it. We have no control over it. Uh, there are a few glitchy things going on with IGN these days. Uh, IGN is switching servers and uh, implementing a new CMS system and uh, or whatever they call it. And there's a whole bunch of tech stuff going on. Basically, a lot of a uh, lot of IT guys and a lot of engineers are doing things that we don't really understand, that we're not made to understand. So um, that's uh, causing a little bit of a hiccup in the way that some of the information on the IGN site is uh, presented and updated and maintained. So you're probably seeing a few glitchy things even outside of the podcast. I know it's affected a rather large part of IGN's website. It is temporary. It will go away as soon as they iron out all the kinks, and uh, everything will be much smoother and more efficient going forward. So uh, please bear with us through this transition. Uh, we, ha- again, have no control over it. We don't really understand it, but we're just sitting down, and hopefully uh, you know, we'll, we'll all, we're all in the same place. Are right, you
1: ready?
0: What? Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. You're ready. Okay. Tell the people what you see. I see uh, something that looks like a piece of chocolate. What am I wearing? Uh, you're, oh, you're... Oh. <laughs> What the hell is that? You're wearing some kind of Chinese chef's happy jacket thing yes. with those little Chinese knot buttons. Yes. What as, the what the, what the hell is that?
1: As as part of your uh, tuition or whatever they call it, the yeah. fee for this class, they give you a chef's jacket. Oh
0: well, that's a bargain because you paid like what five thousand dollars for this, exactly. and that that's worth about a buck twenty. Exactly. What? <laughs> well, now what? they
1: give you a chef's jacket. I would
0: have given you that if you just made me some food.
1: And so they they say you know oh here your chef jackets are here and I'm the only I'm the only guy in this class. It's okay. all women. Okay, that's why. And you And all the get, women are putting now, on their now chef's it's all jacket. Clear. Now, now it's they're all immensely married and clear. kids and whatever. Uh huh. I didn't know that at the time. I I, I <laughs> you know what I'd like to sign up for the all woman one. Is yeah. that possible? Anyway, so all the women are putting on their chef's jackets. And I'm yeah. saying, first of all, this is the douchiest thing you could ever wear, a chef's jacket. I mean, I have not even remotely earned my stripes mm-hmm. to wear a chef's jacket. I want the apron that says, you know, kiss the cook or something or something <laughs> just totally or, or hello kitty on the chef's on the on the apron. Okay, that's what I deserve. There's no way, like, <laughs> why would I, like, over-inflate my, my skills as a baker by wearing a chef's jacket? Yeah, okay. It is really the worst. Okay. So, I'm just wearing this for you. Okay. I don't even own an apron. What,
0: what, what am I eating This right is now? a
1: lemon poppy seed cake.
0: Oh, very nice.
1: There you go. Oh, very nice. So, Wade, you uh, told everybody what's going on with the... Um with the podcast, uh,
0: yes, I did. Okay, good. Yes, I did. Just, just Oh, sure. and you know, well, oh, and the one other thing I was going to make mention of before I, I unleash you on on um, documentary syndrome, uh, what?
1: Well, which documentary am I talking? Oh, there you go. Yeah. I was wondering
0: the, what it was. the the the. Um, Uh, There was one other bit of housekeeping, which is that uh, some people have been wondering why we didn't cover The Avengers last week, the big release of the week, the big Blu-ray release of the week. Oh, my gosh, The Avengers, biggest Disney film in history, made $2 billion. Where is The Avengers? Marvel didn't approve us. In fact, Marvel apparently didn't approve us. They didn't approve High Def Digest. They didn't approve approve Blu-ray.com. I think even the digital bits may have gotten squashed out. I'd have to check up on that. But uh, some of these people have just gone out and bought their own. And uh, basically, Marvel has an unbelievable amount of autonomy within Disney. I emailed the Disney publicists. To explain to us why suddenly the movie that has made $2 billion feels like their, their budget is so crimped that they can't afford to actually send uh, review copies out, yeah, it was a very constrained list. Yeah, why? It made $2 billion. Because they don't need us. Well, look, I mean, yeah, they do. You know what I mean? It's like, well, does it really, really crimp their style? Is this just, a, a, I mean, suddenly why, why? Why get stingy and cheap? Nobody else gets stingy and cheap when their movies are... Are successful, you know, we got two different versions of Avatar. We've got we got you know, umpteen versions of Titanic. Give me a break, you this know, is, what? this is nonsense. Well, and because, uh, it's... they didn't get back to me as to the why. The the people at Marvel are the ones who really have to answer for this, and I'm still waiting for an answer.
1: You you see c- 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 me on those emails, yeah. And I have to say that Wade was getting about as medieval as Wade gets on these emails to big corporations. What are you doing?
0: I'm I'm taking I'm tearing it out of the little paper thing because I, under- I understand, you know.
1: By the way, those yeah, are... Yeah, it, it, I
0: mean, it's, it's ridiculous. The movie's made an ungodly amount of money. If you're, if you're... Look, look. Twilight Time and Olive Films send us Blu-rays. And those are small companies. I mean, they really don't have a lot of stock to afford. But you know what? We do right by them. And Disney suddenly can't send us the Avengers. Are you kidding me?
1: Because they, they, they figure that nobody is not going to buy, or nobody is going to buy, the Blu-ray based on what a DVD podcast says. The thing is that we are a DVD podcast that is, A, well-respected... A lot of people listen to it. It's for IGN, which is an enormous corporation. I can see them not sending it to, you know, dudeinhisbasement.com. Yeah. I get that. But digital bits, very well respected. I know. They should have it. Uh, We should have it. But Marvel, for some reason, is uh, they're just not into it, and it really upsets us. And because we can't give you the information you need to go buy the Blu-ray. Well, screw them. They haven't haven't gotten
0: back to me yet. If they get back to me with a decent explanation, I'll take it all back and explain it next week. But for now, you know, we're not happy with Marvel because they're being they're being stingy and and miserly and very Scrooge-like.
1: All right, who cares? Uh, Uh, You know what?
0: It's good. It's moist. It's it's lemony. It's very poppy-seedy. Nice little um, little little very thin, delicate uh, icing on top. Very nice.
1: Yeah, it's got the glaze going and everything. All right, Mm -hmm. Wade. um, Mm, Very nice. Thank you very much. All right, we got a whole slew of PBS documentaries to talk about. Uh, some of these are sports-related, some are historical, but they're all, of course, PBS, so they're very good. We have two sports ones uh, to discuss. One is called Golf the Inner Game, and w- the other one is called Tennis the Inner Game. These are both ho- hosted by the same guy, Tim uh, Galway. And, um, you know, the Inner Game series is a very specific kind of, like, method of uh, kind of mentoring or coaching or or kind of removing – You know, roadblocks, removing mental obstacles that keep people from doing better at the sport of their choice. Now, something like golf, that's obviously very important. You know, golf is all people obsess over golf. The reason why I I don't golf and I can't be around golfers is because all they talk about is golfing. I know. I mean, literally.
0: I know people who travel the world, but the only places they ever go to are golf courses. Like, they will go to Dubai to play golf, and then they will go to Fiji to play golf.
1: You know what they do in Dubai? And then they'll
0: go to Scotland to play golf.
1: No, well, Scotland is beautiful. I've been there. You go, it's great. But,
0: are, you, are you planning on going to Japan? Yeah, not really any great golf courses there. Well, so what? Go to, go to Italy. Go to Rome. No, nah, no golf courses in Rome.
1: You know what they do oh, in Dubai? Yeah. Since hmm. uh, Now, they may not do this anymore, but at the time, when Dubai was first kind of exploding, now you think, you're thinking golf in Dubai. places place is a gigantic desert. How does that happen? Yeah. Well, you know what they do? They give you your your, uh, your clubs – and they give you the golf ball. And then they give you a little patch of grass. Maybe it's like a foot, of, like a, a foot by a foot by a foot. I mean, it's, it's, it's like four square feet or something. It's like nothing. It's, just, it's like pocket. You, you, you just carry it around with you. And you, you take that square of grass all around the course, which is otherwise mm-hmm. sand. And that's how you play golf in, uh, in Dubai. Anyway. A uh, golf the inner game, tennis. The inner game is the other one. Uh, those they're both very good, especially if you're uh, if you're into golfing. That's good stuff. Um, so it's part of the, part of that uh, inner game series. We also have uh, from PBS, um, Heartbreak Hill. You know, it, it's it's interesting. We haven't talked a lot about uh, Native Americans on the show because there's very few Native American films, very few Native American documentaries. True. You know, no Native American music ne- hits the mainstream ever. But here you got a. Uh, an interesting documentary called Up Heartbreak Hill from PBS, which is all about um, these teenage uh, Native Americans in Navajo, New Mexico. And, you know, they they aspire to the same things we do. One wants to be a photographer, and one's very good at school, and, and you know, and it's a different kind of school. It's like a reservation high school. Mm-hmm. And they do get into the fact that in these reservations and in, in the Native American community, there's a huge poverty rate, the uh, per capita income is like nothing. It's like less than like $10,000 a year on average and they have you know some of these kids have very little prospects and they talk about a little bit kind of wish they talked about it more but they talk a little bit about you know why the native american community insists after all these decades of still being separated from
0: doesn't make sense to me the
1: regular mainstream culture
0: doesn't make sense to me it's like you you've created a prison under yourself
1: it really is bizarre yeah. so up Heartbreak Hill is fascinating from that uh, from that perspective, in that it introduces you to a culture that you was right under your nose, and they're just as American, if not more American, than we are. Yep. And yet, no one really knows about them. So, up Heartbreak Hill is a good one.
0: Cool. All right, Mark. Here I'm. I'm going to blow through a bunch of these. Watch how Oh, I wasn't going
1: really fast enough for you. What no. is that? What you're saying? No. Wow. We
0: we got many, we got TV. We got uh, mm-hmm. movies. We got classics. We got uh, too much to go through. So I'm going. I'm going to blow through a bunch of these, um, because you know you can do it quickly and, and do them justice. Guilty Pleasures is also a PBS release. Uh, you know what? This is if, if you've ever read a romance novel, and Mark, you know you have, haven't you? Harlequin. Yeah. Fabio
1: right. used to be a cover uh, well, cover model for Harlequin romance.
0: That's right. Well, anyway, the. Um, Guilty Pleasures is basically a documentary about the extraordinarily strange relationship that people have with romance novels and the whole romance novel industry and the people who are part of the industry, and uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting and creepy all at the same time. Uh, it's only 86 minutes. It is a, it, obviously a very narrow audience for this, but uh, if you know anybody who's sort of obsessed with these things, you might want to uh, point them in this direction. The Barnes Collection. We got a couple of things to deal with art this week, and the Barnes Collection is about Albert C. Barnes, who has this extraordinary art collection in uh, Philadelphia, and uh, it's you know it's it's all about a personal uh, love and passion for art, and uh, it's really extraordinary because you think that a lot of these great paintings, some of the greatest paintings in history, are all in museums. A lot of them are in private collections, and this guy has most of the Cezans in the world. Believe it or not.
1: I mean, well, why is he not sharing with the museums of the world, Wade? Why is he well, so he selfish?
0: Now, now he's getting it because we're, uh, there's a brand new Barnes building in uh, Center City, Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, so this, this is just it's, – it's as interesting for the art as it is for the man himself. And then we got a thing here called uh, From Dust to Dreams, which is about the performing arts, opening night at the Smith Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris hosts this, and uh, it's wonderful. Neil Patrick Harris himself is worth buying anything. And uh, this is just absolutely fabulous. It's just a wonderful concert uh, that includes a lot of fantastic people. And you don't even need to know what the Smith Center for the Performing Arts is or where it is or why it is. Don't worry about it. You get your Jennifer Hudson and your John Fogarty. You got your
1: basic John Fogarty. You got your basic Jennifer uh, Hudson.
0: Benjamin Walker, Laura Owens, Sherry Renee Scott, uh, Montego Glover. It's it's just a wonderful, wonderful uh, performing arts evening. Uh, Pretend like you're wearing a tuxedo in your living room. You'll love it. Uh, Brad Pitt hosts Intervention Architecture, E2. You know, Brad Pitt's really big on uh, Habitat for Humanity, and he goes and volunteers and builds a lot of these uh, these green habitats for, and homes for people and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, good for him. You know, on. he did that, like, after uh, Katrina That's and all right. that. So he narrates this, and uh, this is uh, all about um, five different projects that uh, essentially won this award called the Aga Khan Award. And it's given for places, you know, for architecture that essentially is very green and sustainable and uh, uh, energy efficient and all that stuff. And um, it's interesting because there are very high standards for this. And, uh, you know, it's, it's innovative. I, I, even though it's, I'm not really keen on living in, you know, cardboard boxes and things that just, you know, channel electricity through feng shui in a little pinhole in a ceiling, I, some of this stuff is really nice. I mean, you, you wouldn't even know that it's ecologically advantageous. It's just like great architecture unto itself. And then a little bit on the nature side, Alaska Gold, War of Resources, The Fish or the Mine. Uh, This is a frontline documentary, and uh, the Bristol Bay Area is uh, in Alaska is really kind of a a battle going on there between uh, open pit mines and uh, the salmon industry. And uh, it kind of is a microcosm of a, a similar battle that's going on everywhere in the world. In a lot of these places, where you have an, an in, you know one industry that's all about uh, you know mining or metals or something else or precious earths, versus you know fishing or tourism or whatever the case is. So it's uh, a lot of these places are being forced to choose. Orangutan Diaries is about uh, these disgustingly ugly simians that I really just don't appreciate at all. I, I think they're like the uh, the ape that went wrong. They're like uh, they're ginger apes. I don't know. They're red haired and they're strange and they're they're not quite they're they're not as cool as gorillas. and They're not as cute as chimps. They're just ugly. They're orangutans. Anyway, this is uh, four hours. on. just
1: not orangutan. People used to say orangutan. Now they say orangutan.
0: It's orangutan. But it's did... not orangutan. Because because tang as a as a as a drink is also orange.
1: No, but you, no. Look, people used to call it orangutans. Tell me you didn't spend your whole life calling it orangutan. I didn't. You spent your life calling it orangutan.
0: Yes, because they're because they're tan.
1: Yeah, I'm done. I'm done okay. with it.
0: Anyway, uh, this is uh, this is way way too much information. Frankly, uh, very well done, very nice. But and, and I understand they're endangered species, but I still find them ugly. Uh, Endgame: AIDS in Black America. This is another frontline documentary. This is absolutely superb. We tend to think that uh, AIDS is you know on the wane and we've conquered it, and people are managing life with AIDS. And and actually, it's still a crisis in the black community. And uh, that's all what this is about. This is a two-hour doc that uh, talks about you know the 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 devastation that. Uh, AIDS has had as a disease on the black community And um, and what the future holds Very, very well done As are all Frontline docs And then uh, we've got an American experience uh, Which is also very, very good Those are right up there with Frontline This is Death and the Civil War This is directed by Rick Burns Brother of Ken Burns Who's, you know, he's sort of like uh, Shecky Burns? Shecky Burns you know, Rick Burns does a lot of docs as well, not not on the he's grand the, uh, he's scale.
1: The, he's the hall to uh, Ken Burns' <laughs> Oats. <laughs> Oats. He's <laughs> there the goes. Garfunkel Ken Burns' assignment. That's
0: it, exactly. And uh, this is, uh, you know, two hours basically looking at the—this um, is really kind of an existential doc in a way. It's based on a, on a book called uh, This Republic of Suffering, and it's uh, it's essentially about how war, particularly the Civil War, changed the mindset and the mentality and the culture of America— in terms of dealing with not just death, but just catastrophic, massive death where every family was touched. And if you think, you know, you realize as a percentage of the population of the country at the time, between the North and the South, the number of deaths, not just casualties, the number of people killed during the Civil War, if we were to have a Civil War today, the same percentage of the population today would mean over 30 million people killed in a war. Like well, a, a a domestic war, like between, so let's say we you know everybody in the West goes to war with everybody in the East. You know, like the Lakers or uh, they beat the Celtics, and the, everybody east of the Mississippi just goes nuts. Um, the, then suddenly we have a civil war and thirty million people die.
1: Well, you know, obviously, it's huge. yes, because both sides were American. Yeah, you know, it's not like World War Two or uh, World War One. Both sides. Every, everybody, every single person who died in that war was an American. Massive. Massive,
0: massive, devastating. All right, Mark. Uh, talk about some TV. I'm going to take some more uh, bites here. Uh,
1: before we talk about TV, I want to make sure that our uh, our listeners know that um, the Alfred Hitchcock masterpiece collection. release, oh, yeah. The Blu-ray that's mm-hmm. supposed to come out uh, was supposed to come out September yeah. 25th is now coming out October 30th. Now. Uh,
0: Just in time for Halloween.
1: Universal says they are postponing it because, quote, certain imperfections with the product have come to light. And as a result, we are delaying the release date to correct these points. We don't know what the problems were. All I know is that this is a must-buy. Must. When does the Anthony Hopkins must, uh, movie come out? Oh, uh, Hitchcock. Yeah, when does that come out? Uh, it's, it's, it's coming out this year. Yeah. Now, have you seen the, uh, have you seen the teaser poster? I have. <laughs> it's I kind of that. freaky. I don't know what to make of that. It,
0: it, you know what it looks like? Uh, What? It looks like somebody took Anthony Hopkins and put Hitchcock makeup on him. (laughs) That's what it looks like. I'm serious.
1: Well, you know why that is? Because somebody took Anthony Anthony Hopkins Hopkins and and put put Hitchcock Hitchcock makeup makeup on him. Yeah, I know. Uh, All right. uh, By the way, folks, don't forget um, October 9th is Prometheus. That's coming out. Everyone loves loves them some Prometheus. Well, not really. Also, uh, December 4th, um, Dark Knight Rises. Now, the thing with the Dark Knight Rises is that what I'll probably wind up doing is I'll probably on the same day Warner will release the Dark Knight Trilogy which will have Batman Begins the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises Um, and in 2013 they're going to come out with a Dark Knight Trilogy Ultimate Collector's Edition I don't know what that has on it I I just want the movies and I'm hoping that they use the same transfer that they use for the trilogy for the Ultimate Collector's Edition trilogy because I don't want to have to buy it twice Um, but mark on your calendar December 4th for the Dark Knight Trilogy I will definitely be getting that and uh, also, um, when Wade walked in the door today, I said, Wade, did you hear Blu-ray, December 11th, Dick Tracy? Dick Tracy. Wade. And my
0: reaction was, yeah, no." and I, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not, well, anyway, it'll be fine, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> Wade, it's Dick Tracy, you love that film. Yeah,
0: no, it's fine, it's fine. I like, I like Al Pacino in it.
1: I, he was the best thing in it. Yeah because he and, and he doesn't do a lot of stuff that's very good anymore. All right, let's do a little bit of TV. Uh, we have Touch by an Angel season six. Uh, this is a, a show that um, only just the most. People who cry at greeting cards and TV commercials love Touch by an Angel. This is one of those like CBS shows where CBS was was trying to appeal to like people who are 80 and over. And uh, I, I, you know what? They're obviously releasing this very slowly on DVD. Probably because nobody cares and now that they've already done the first five seasons, you might as well just keep going. And uh Touch My Angel. In this season, uh actually uh the the actual the angel, she gets murdered. Murdered way. No kidding, are and, you serious? And, and then the cast of CSI, also a CBS show, David Caruso, they, they, they come on the show and try to assess who murdered the angel from My Angel.
0: That's pretty awesome actually. As it
1: turns out, suicide. Now I want to watch. Who knew? Anyway, uh, Spartacus: Vengeance is uh, is a stars show, and it is on Blu-ray now. And I do like these, um, I do like some of these star shows because they're really well shot, I have to say. And uh, this is a New Zealand production, which of course, if it, it's a New Zealand production, which already means it is better than a Canadian production. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Now, now, um, the 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 big deal here. We're gonna get
0: emails t- on that one. <laughs> okay.
1: And by the way, gods at DigiGods.com. Yeah, totally. Um, Spartacus in this season is played by Liam McIntyre. Now Liam McIntyre replaced Andy Whitfield, who uh, died um, about a year ago. So they had to recast the role, and I think he's completely fine. He's uh, handsome. He's got uh, a lot of muscles, and he you know speaks the speaks the Roman like uh, like a like a, like a pro. Anyway, Anchor Bay came out with this, so you know it's good stuff. Uh, it's got a lot of bonus features, including uh, the uh, making of, behind the camera interview with Liam McIntyre, uh, stuff on the uh, the special effects, uh, bloopers. It's always fun seeing like you know like people dressed like in, in like swords and togas being all serious, like you will know, bust up. Uh, anyway, so this is a pretty good show. I I, I, I don't know that uh, that the stars stuff has the uh, the acclaim of some of the HBO stuff, even the Showtime stuff, but. You know, stars. These are the shows that get networks like stars on the map more than whatever movies they show. Um, Rawhide, which is the Clint Eastwood uh, TV show from way back when, this is in a uh, a very a, a poorly bundled. Two, uh, 2 DVD pack Volume 1 the 5th season and Volume 2 the 5th season. As long now, as they
0: keep releasing them and the same thing. And by the way, the only reason this is being released now is because Clint has a movie out and because he did the empty chair thing at the RNC. Well,
1: That's the you, only reason. Well, the movie uh, Trouble with the Curve uh, did not do very well
0: it's fine, though. It's, it'll do okay. I liked it. It'll do fine. It doesn't mean, need to open at number one no. in order to make money.
1: If it's got a little it's bit of crazy. legs and if it makes a few few million, you know what? Hopefully that's the type of movie, especially now that we're getting, getting into the, the playoffs and the World Series, the baseball season, it, it may be able to play in theaters a little longer than most films of that type and normally play in theaters. So, um, anyway, uh, Rawhide, it, look, it's a good show. It was like the thing ran for like over seven years. Uh, you know, it was a, It was one of the longest-running TV westerns, and that's good stuff. Clint Eastwood looks so young, and, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood now looks exactly the same, except more wrinkles. Like, when you look at William Shatner, William Shatner looks like a big, fat, fat, bloated, Hindenburg-esque version of himself. Yeah, it's awesome. Whereas Eastwood looks exactly the same, (laughs) except with just wrinkles. True,
0: very true. He's awesome. I agree. And we've got some great TV on Blu-ray here. Uh, this one is a Starz series as well. And, uh, you know, it's funny. The Starz stuff kind of goes right off my radar. I don't pay attention to it until it gets to us on Blu-ray and DVD. But Magic City, the complete first city, first season, this is not a bad show, actually. And uh, this is getting up there into, into Showtime and uh, HBO territory a little bit. Uh, this takes place in 1959. It's all about the whole Miami hotel, casino, mobster uh, hipster scene. It's sort of like uh, Miami in 1959, a little, a little bit of a, uh, kind of a, tr- a Vegas of the uh, of the Southeast. And 1959 uh, is a really pivotal year. That's when you know Castro takes uh, Havana, and the, the Cuban Revolution takes place. And you've got the Kennedys, and you've got uh, all these interesting uh, political machinations going on. A lot of social change. It's a, it's a big deal, and it's a, it's a really nicely put together show. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan just you know it, it basically plays kind of a facsimile of, uh, of sinatra in a way um just you know the coolest uh, chief of this rat pack that they've assembled for this show which oddly enough also includes danny houston in a role that uh, i do not find objectionable uh mark i don't think i uh, got a look at this but um you know what danny houston was it's like he's made to be for this all of a sudden it's like it's a role that i i just don't despise him in and then uh we've also got Downton Abbey, uh, seasons one and two, sp- limited edition on uh, Blu-ray from PBS. Now, this has already been out both seasons in Blu-ray, and the third season, of course, has just begun in the U.K. It's not going to be aired here on PBS until January, which is really frustrating because now all the twists and turns are, are going to be known. And if you're a Downton Abbey fan, as I am, and you're, you're living in the United States, you've just got to kind of plug your ears and hope that your friends in the U.K. don't tell you what just happened. Um, but, uh, you know, Downton Abbey uh, was nominated for Gobza Emmys, and uh, its, its profile has never been higher. And uh, Maggie Smith walked away with an Emmy. Thank goodness. She would, totally deserved it. And uh, if you already have it on Blu-ray, there's really no reason to get this, other than the fact that it's all in one package. It's nice and slim, and, uh, you know, you're forgetting the fact that, uh, you know, after next season there will be another single edition that will include the first three seasons. So uh, get this only if you don't have the first two already. If you have them, just hang on to them. There's nothing uh, nothing particularly different about this. It's uh, just different packaging, but still really worth having if you uh, if you haven't bought it. And then uh we also have fresh off of a great uh, Emmy win for Kevin Costner Hatfields and McCoys. Uh this is the original uncut version with uh, Bill Paxton and Kevin Costner playing the uh the who f- plays Bones? Bones. Yeah. I mean, McCoy. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> Anyway, uh, which you know, one plays bones? There was a Christian Slater thing on the Hatfields and McCoys that was a cheap deal, quick to DVD thing from a few months ago. Not very good. This actually is really, really sharp. Very professional. Uh, nice work by Kevin Costner as a producer, and it was a, it was a hit on television. It looks terrific on Blu-ray. Excellent work by Sony, and uh, you know, it's funny because they they didn't they had to shoot this in Europe. You know that.
1: I did not know that. They
0: had to shoot this in Eastern Europe because you can't shoot, it's too expensive now to shoot Westerns in America. I mean, Mm. what have we come to? Seriously, that's just a disgrace.
1: Well, it's all, well, of course, look, you know, uh, our good friend, Zach Weintraub, his father opened up a um, a studio in Vilnius, Lithuania, which I I went to visit. I know. And the thing is that you can hire local Vilnius talent for like 10 bucks a day and 10 bucks a day to them is like a king's ransom. I know. And you get all this local talent. And And wow. his father helped uh, build up the studio into a powerhouse in Eastern Europe that still runs to this day, and it's just very cheap. And at the studio in Vilnius, the, uh, what they tend to shoot there is a lot of medieval stuff because there's something about those Eastern European forests that just look a little otherworldly, and uh, it's great stuff. Anyway, all right, let's keep going with TV. Roseanne, complete fifth and sixth season.
0: now. Yes. I only I only include this today because again she's your pal and she's she, I haven't she, talked to her in like five years. Yeah, but she's your pal, and because you know she is on the ballot for president of the United States, you do realize this. Roseanne will appear on in, in a number of states, probably also here in California. We're going to pull it out, and there's going to be you know Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. Roseanne Barr, what, what the? You yeah, know, you know what? she's the official nominee of the Peace and Freedom Party.
1: We how did that happen? I don't know. We have to remember, and we always forget this. That when you, uh, when you cast your ballot for president, it's never just like, you know, George W. Bush versus uh, Barack Obama. There's always like six people on that presidential ballot. Yes, it's always from like the Libertarian Party or from the Green Party. And-, and I'm
0: just waiting for that year when some computer screws up somewhere and we wind up, and the winner of all fifty states is George Herman Flocker. What? Who is he? Who is he? And we wind up having just just some mistake, and it's irreversible, and we wind up having some lunatic for president. E- even worse, couldn't be worse, right? Than you know who we the people we typically elect over the course of our two hundred year some odd history. Exactly, it's, it really seems to just be the same.
1: By the way, you know the uh, the Academy, the Motion Picture Academy, they're going to use a computerized experiment with online voting disaster. Year, you think? Yeah. Will someone go just like just something's going to go
0: wrong? I'm telling you, something will go wrong. Always does.
1: Speaking of wrong, uh, the first season of Heart of Dixie is available on uh, DVD, not Blu-ray. I don't know why they keep doing this. This is a, a CW show of the type that you always see. It's um, you know a high-powered, uh, big city person, has some mental breakdown, and they wind up in a small town, and uh, it turns their life around. I just, it's like a dime a dozen. I actually had a show. Yeah. That I wanted to pitch like years was ago. basically
0: Northern Exposure.
1: Yes. I had a show I wanted or to dead. pitch years ago. It was, it was called Public Access. Yeah. it's a, it's it was, it was a show about this big city, you know, station manager, you know, whatever, WCBS or something, mm-hmm. has like a, has a mental breakdown and he goes to his hometown, he goes back to his hometown to run his hometown public access station. Okay. And this is back when there was public access. Um so not only would you get the comedy inherent in a very, very old idea being resurrected again, the big city person breaking down, going back to their hometown, but you also get you know, these hilarious snippets of these crazy, wacky public access personalities that we kind of grew up on. Now, you don't really see that anymore, so the idea really kind of doesn't work, but uh, that won't stop me from dream- dreaming of someday seeing it on TV. There you go. Anyway, Heart of Dixie uh, co-stars uh, Rachel Bilson, who was from the OC, and uh, you know this is just one of those shows. This is another CW show. You know yeah. what? On, 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 on the CW, the ugliest person on the CW has a body fat of 5%. <laughs> That's how you know you're the, you're, you're the ugly one on a CW show. Your body fat is 5%. Complete season seven Of How I Met Your Mother I, This thing has just Kept going
0: I, I know It's one of those shows What is shows. the deal
1: with this show I don't I, know, I don't know if, You know what I don't know It was funny too Because when the show First started People were like Well It's like The Office How many seasons Will it be Until you find out How the damn kid Met his damn mother Enough already <laughs> But it's like It's been seven years Haven't you met already yeah, well, Can I, you just meet And have sex I don't and think it's about the show I don't
0: think it's about That anymore it's not about that.
1: No, it's about the resurrection of Neil Patrick Harris's That's what uh, it is.
0: That's, it's all about uh, NPH.
1: NPH. Uh, NPH. Anyway, twenty-three uh, uh, episodes. Uh, there's also a, a season finale. That's uh, double the double the time. And uh, it's it's a if you love the show, who am I to stop you? Deleted scenes, gag reel, and uh, some there's a featurette on the writers, which I thought was interesting. It's always interesting to go into the writers' room. But otherwise, uh, you know, it's time Met your mother complete first season
0: of the new girl uh, I am so thrilled for Zoe Deschanel. she got an Emmy nomination for this this is finally career stability for her she should be bigger in features but it's a it's a hit show it's a hit TV series and it's uh, it's really anchored her as a celebrity and put her kind of in the in the spotlight where she belongs and I've always been a big fan of Zoe I think she's just adorable and this show is perfectly tuned to her talents and her quirkiness and uh essentially what this is this is Three's Company uh in reverse plus one so instead of you know a guy who moves in with two women it's about a girl who moves in with three guys. Oh my god. And you know, she's broken up and she moves in with these three dorky bachelors and comedy ensues because waha they're all just so mismatched and and, and they're quirky and weird. And of course, you know she's got a friend, just like Larry, just like a Jack Tripper had Larry on Three's Company, right? I mean, there's definitely a Three's Company vibe going on here. So it's a fun show—24 episodes plus uh, some pretty decent extras. It's uh, you know a couple of commentaries, uh, three commentaries actually. Um, thing on the uh, on the auditions and uh, you know how to dress like Jess, which is basically dressed like Zoe Deschanel's quirkiness. It's it's a lot of fun. It's really a lot of fun. I think there's a, a good future in store for that show and uh then 90210 the fourth season this is the resurrected 90210 which incredibly is another one of those CW shows that Mark was just ripping on and they somehow despite the the unbelievably attractive cast their personalities are so vapid that it they just they're like they it's like water running through your fingers you just don't i mean the original show is like just charisma central compared to this.
1: But that—that's the, that, that's the that? CW. It's just it, it, a, all it is is it's just pretty people. It's, it's just runway it's, models. Yes, it's pretty people with very little personality who who catfight over their boyfriends and, uh, and, and and you know fight over their girlfriends. That's it. Whatever. That's the CW. All right.
0: Well, we're uh, we're into movies now, folks. And Wait, is
1: before we get into movies, what, what? Yes, huh? What? Now, do you want butter on the cheese biscuit? By the way, I'm not giving you all this food because I'm generous or nice. I'm giving you all this food because in this, in this class, you come home with so much food, I can't give it all away.
0: You're, you want to give me butter on a cheese biscuit. Why not? You want to kill me. Of course. That, that, you you want to kill me. How about jelly? No.
1: You just want a cheese biscuit. Yeah, just give me a cheese biscuit. I don't yeah. want butter on it. Right, let, me, let, me, let, me, uh, let me check. You talk about uh, okay. Cinderella, some movie. Yeah. And then uh, I'll, go, I'll go see if this cheese biscuit is warm enough.
0: All righty. Hey, the Diamond Edition of Disney Cinderella is out. So grab it before it goes back in the vault. This is a uh, Blu-ray and DVD combo edition that also includes, believe it or not, a uh, a short for called Tangled Ever After, which is the, the whole Rapunzel thing. It's a it's an animated short based on the uh, the movie Tangled that really kind of doesn't belong on this, but they uh, I, I threw it on anyway. Um, you know what? As with all the rest of these Diamond Editions, it's just it's beyond reproach. Disney has uh, cranked it up a notch and the the amazing thing that they do here with the transfer is that if you think about Cinderella, you know Cinderella is kind of from that middle Disney animated period. It's not from the early Pinocchio, Dumbo, uh Snow White period. It's from that Sleeping Beauty, uh Cinderella, kind of Bambi, well not even Bambi. It's uh you you're getting into the Fox and the Hound and uh that kind of stuff. So it has more of that that 50s vibe to it. And it's a very particular kind of color palette. It's a very particular way of approaching the artwork. And it's risky because doing when you digitize this stuff, when you transfer it, when you do all that digital tweaking, you run the risk of uh, kind of... Canceling out all of the things that make it Look the way that it needs to look It it, it suddenly won't look of its period anymore And it may suddenly reveal a little bit too much Of the artwork that was never intended To actually be caught on film And so when you take all of that into account It's really extraordinary The work that they do Because they manage to to preserve all of that Digital can be your friend uh, or your enemy And the the, the look of this thing Is just perfect Absolutely pristine uh, Really uh, nothing at all bad that you can say about it the audio is equally pristine it's a 7.1 DTS uh, mix that done specifically for this home release and uh, they've been doing this ever since they remixed the Lion King for the home environment and it's, they've got it down to a, a, to a science, if you've got a, a 5.1 or a 7.1 uh, setup at home you'll just be completely immersed in this, it's absolutely beautiful, not too much not too little, and at the end of the day you know what, it's Cinderella for crying out loud how do you? How do you even doubt? Not I mean, come on, Cinderella.
1: The only thing better is Cinderfella.
0: Coach, should, oh Cinderella, <laughs> Louis Armstrong show. Oh my gosh, it's the best.
1: It's <laughs> great, Wade. You know, uh, Saturday morning at ten a.m. they screened uh, Frank and Weenie, which is the new uh, Tim Burton film. Yeah, I know. I skipped it. Uh, I skipped it too because um, after Dark Shadows, I've given up on Tim Burton. I just think it's over. I, this guy is just not a storyteller. You know, he was never much of a storyteller except for Ed Wood, which is, I just absolutely adore that movie. Um, otherwise, he's, he's just almost strictly a visualist, and he's really not much of a storyteller. I don't know that he ever really was except for Ed Wood, but Ed Wood had a great script. Um, John August writes most of uh, Tim Burton's scripts right now. But anyway, um, Dark Shadows is just a, a dreary, unfunny, confused mess of a movie that has a third act that became even more confused, as if that was possible. And it's great to look at. And there are some charms in seeing Johnny Depp play Barnabas Collins. And he's 300 years old, and now he has to live in the modern world. But uh, I just think this thing was a complete misfire. It's just, it's campy, and it's overproduced. And I just, uh, there's no one to root for. And everybody's strange. It was, It's nice to see Michelle Pfeiffer back. You know, she's so great. Yeah. But otherwise, I just... Um, I, I have I, no I just, connection to this. It's Dark Shadows
0: in name only. You know, It was a, it was a bad move from the beginning. It was a ba-
1: you know what? Actually, I, I don't know if John August even... You know, now, now that I think about it, I'm not sure if John August ever even took a swipe at this script. It was written by somebody else. Um, but still, I just cannot recommend this less. <laughs> I hear you. You know how you know they say, like, I can't recommend this highly enough. The opposite would be, I can't recommend this less. Yeah, I hear you. It is, Johnny. It is uh, Dark Shadows. Now, it looks great on Blu-ray. And the, it's a combo pack. It's got the Blu-ray, the DVD, and the Ultraviolet. But uh, the problem is, you have to watch the movie, and that's just not good. And by the way, here's the thing with Eva Green. Now, Eva Green,
0: <laughs> I, l- I liked Eva Green in uh, in uh, 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 the, Star Wars. No, the Ridley Scott thing, uh, Kingdom of Kingdom Heaven. Of Kingdom Her- Heaven. Yeah.
1: The thing with Eva Green. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's a, she's a beautiful woman. There's, there's no doubt about it. But I'm just talking like movie wise. Yeah, sure. Sometimes she looks. Drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. And sometimes she has like this funky mouth that makes her look kind of goofy. Yeah. And in Ed... Like she
0: just ate a caterpillar. Yes. I know what you just mean. Just like that. Yes.
1: And in Dark Shadows, mm-hmm. she looked kind of like gorgeous. Right. But had that kind of goofy look going on. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure which... Like, she had, like,
0: like there's a millipede stuck in her teeth. I'm i not I know sure. what you're talking about.
1: To- totally a millipede. That's it. Uh, I don't know which one she is in real life. All I know yeah. is that she's gorgeous, but she does have that weird little... Yeah, thing going on. Anyway, Dark shot pass.
0: Groovy. All right, and uh, you know this is the, the Luc Besson doesn't direct a lot of movies anymore, and uh, he just he's just like Mister Mogul. He just he just sits around with uh, Robert Mark Kamen, who wrote The Karate Kid, and they just they crank out these things that they, these martial arts, the action things that they shoot in Paris in English and. You know, it's like the the it's just over and over and over. And Taken is the only one, only series that ever really uh, had any any juice to it. But once in a while, Luc Besson will get behind the camera again and do something that is very slick and very professional and very tasteful and very kind of uh, you know Oscar begging like The Lady, and then it's undone by the fact that. Well, it's it's a little bit too saccharine, and uh, on top of that, it was obsolete the second that it was released. The Lady stars Michelle Yeoh as uh, Aung San Suu Kyi, the famous uh, Nobel-winning civil rights and human rights activist from Burma, otherwise known as Myanmar, which it has been for decades under the control of the junta, that is run by the people who, of course, uh, originally assassinated her father, who was once uh, you know a great leader in the country. And all of that is detailed in this uh, rather tepid but very nicely done biopic with David Thule, Very, very good as her husband And uh, the problem being that once the movie ends uh, Now we all know that change is happening And and Aung San Suu Kyi has been let out of the country again And she's met with Hillary Clinton And it's almost like the stuff that has happened Since the movie was released Is more dramatic than what's in the movie It's like the movie is the first two acts And the third act has been you know the last seven or eight months of news it's 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 really it's it's very distressing that they just could not hold their horses and wait until appropriate an appropriate time to tell this story because it's part of the story it's not the whole story.
1: It's almost like the Nelson Mandela story. <sighs> it's
0: frustrating. Exactly. I don't know but anyway, why I that said being that. said, Aung San Suu Kyi's life is has plenty of great episodes in it and Michelle Yeoh is a very good actress. She's not just a great martial artist and uh, she's the right she, you know she's the right person to play this part. Again, a little too saccharine, a little too on the nose, a little too sentimental, but it's generally well done. Unfortunately, you You know, the story uh, continues, even now. Um, Annie was a big deal when it was released. A lot of people might not remember this, and this just seems ridiculous now. When Annie was released, um, Columbia Pictures tried to uh, nudge movie ticket prices up from $5 to $6 and didn't work. Uh, people revolted, and they were forced to uh, drop the price again. Uh, it was uh, it was the, probably the only time in history I can think of that somebody tried a ticket increase, and uh, audiences were able to re- revolt and change their mind. Audiences haven't done that in a long time, and I'd love for them to do it again. This is a 30th anniversary Blu-ray release, sing-along edition, Be Very Scared of Annie. Directed by none other than the great John Huston, father of Danny Huston, who we talked about a second ago and whom we normally can't stand. Um, You know, uh, John Huston was not the right director for this project. It's shot too close, and it's just kind of a mess all throughout. It's a lovely musical with great songs that's just not very well executed as a movie. Uh, also, this may be the last musical produced by Ray Stark. I think, wouldn't it be? Ooh, interesting. Before he died, which um, which um, and that's Ray Stark, who of course you know kind of got his musical cred producing uh, Funny Girl for Broadway and then for uh, for the movies because uh, Fanny Bryce was his aunt. But uh, Ray Stark, uh, very kind of yeah, that, uh, that
1: was the last uh, musical he did. Yep. Very he incendiary. produced Steel Magnolias.
0: Yeah, but no more
1: musicals. And uh, no more musicals. That
0: was it. That was the, the swan song of the Ray Stark, Ray Star musical era. Which, anyway,
1: Which do you think is the weirder director-movie pairing? John Huston directing Annie or Robert Altman directing Popeye?
0: Uh, I am actually and I going, love Popeye I love I that movie I'm going to say neither of them I'm going to say Sidney Lumet doing The Wiz beats them <laughs> oh, both oh yeah it's true
1: yeah oh that's a good uh, one and,
0: and, 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 and Norman Jewison doing uh, Jesus Christ Superstar oh. is not far off either
1: yeah. and he also fiddled on the roof
0: yeah but that's a good movie
1: yeah, but he did filler and Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, what's this guy? I don't know. Is there like, is, is he gonna do the Book of Mormon uh, uh, he, uh, movie too? Uh, no, well, no, he hit, he hit every religion until he just he hits I'll, them all. I'll, I'll,
0: I'll, I'll drive over to his house and ask him. Is that right? Yeah, I know where he lives. Really? Yeah. Because I had to, because I moderated an event with him, and I had to go pick up his book.
1: Imagine this, Imagine anyway, uh,
0: so the 30th anniversary edition of Annie. Uh, it comes with ultraviolet. Uh, not that that matters a whole lot. I gotta say, Columbia Sony, they kind of phoned this one in. They didn't really. I think they knew that they had a movie that no one's really gonna complain about if it's not just an absolute A list title. So they made it a sing along edition. Kind of phoned it in on the transfer uh, and threw ultraviolet on it. And I guess they figure that's gonna get them through the through the door, and it probably will. So if you're a huge fan of it, you, you won't care about all the deficiencies, uh, and the sing-along thing is, I guess it's fine for kids. Not, not a lot by way of extras, though. That's it.
1: Uh, wait, a couple more uh, movie uh, things to talk about. This is kind of an overlooked film, I have to say. I was predisposed to hate this thing. This is a movie called People Like Us, and the reason why I was disp- uh, predisposed to hate it is because it was written by uh, Alex Kurtzman and uh, Roberto Orsi... And directed I, I, by Kurtzman.
0: I know it was. It's like this is the, they're trying to go serious after all of the the schlocky, big budget, crappy, twisty, Transformers-y, Star Treky yeah. things. Yeah.
1: But uh, you know, I, I I thought this movie was very. Uh, it was very sincere, and it felt like it was. You know what I liked about this movie? It's about a guy who uh, Chris Pine plays a uh, plays a guy who. Um, He's like this fast talking guy, and he learns that like this horrible deal this deal that like his whole life was based on this business deal going through. It collapses. On the same day he learns his father died. So he's got to go back home to take care of his affairs, and he winds up dealing with his uh his sister. Um and um it's with Chris Pine, Elizabeth Banks, Olivia Wilde, John Favreau, Michelle Pfeiffer. And what I liked about this movie is that um I feel like uh, it was written by somebody. I feel like it was written by. It was written with with sincerity and with a guy. Who had, and with with a guy who had something to say, and he was able to say it. And even though it's a little bit, you know, it can be mawkish at times. I mean, it's definitely a, it's definitely a dramedy. It's a character piece, and the thing is that people aren't really much into character pieces anymore. That's why a lot of people were bored with it. But I thought it was very affectionate. Uh, I thought the relationships were uh, compelling, and they made sense. And uh, you know what? I kind of dug it. It's kind of an overlooked film. People Like Us, it's on Blu-ray. It's, um, it's good stuff. Anyway, okay, there's that. Now, uh, Jennifer Lynch. Oh, boy. Jennifer Lynch.
0: I recuse myself. Why is that, way? Because I I, I I don't know Jennifer, per se. I've met her many times, but we have many friends in common. So I recuse, <laughs> I recuse myself from any commentary on this title.
1: Yeah, Jennifer Lynch uh, is the daughter of um, the other Lynch, David, David Lynch.
0: <laughs> Jennifer also did Boxing Helena,
1: yeah. Which well, well, you
0: just do that—that that film is a, is off off limits conversation topic anywhere in the Lynch family. Oh, really? Which I think is sad because I think Boxing Helena is fabulous. You do not. I do when she gets in the middle of the street and for no reason that truck comes peeling around <laughs> the corner and then mows her over and you get that great shot of the le- the wheels going over the legs. Bum, 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 bum. I love it. Not of your mind.
1: Right. Anyway, uh, this people is... don't understand
0: how intentionally funny that movie is. Anyway, carry on.
1: You know, people would think that chain was like it's just like another one of those like kind of torture porny films if it wasn't directed by David Lynch's daughter. Um, it's a bizarre film that has a uh, a cast better than it deserves here's this thing with Chained. It's really just as twisted as, you know, any other film you would imagine Jennifer Lynch doing. Um, it's about this, this kid and his mother, and they're picked up by this crazy cab driver played by Vincent D'Onofrio from Full Metal Jacket. Um, and Law and Order. And Law and Order. And stuff happens that I won't say, and then eventually the boy and the cab driver sort of go off together. And have this crazy murder spree that the kid helps with, and that's all I'm going to say because I don't want to give away too much. But it's um, it is definitely an intense film. It is uh, very well shot. Jennifer Jennifer has talent. Jennifer has talent. The thing is that she and but here's the thing though: what she does is she gives you disturbing, brutal images, but I don't know what they're in the service of necessarily. Mm -hmm. Now, they're not as bad, again, as torture porn because there's much more style here. But uh, it is just very claustrophobic and very bleak and very bloody. But, you know, uh, I'd give it a whirl just because it's Jennifer Lynch. And we, Jennifer Lynch does an audio commentary, as as does D'Onofrio, which is nice. You can tell that Vincent Zenofrio, who didn't have to do this movie, he's got plenty no. of money now based on TV, not only did he star in the film, but he also did the audio commentary.
0: I thoroughly enjoy Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. I did a, uh, a press day with him once for a movie that actually never came out, never even got released on DVD. You know
1: why? Because you did the press day.
0: Nah, it's fascinating. It's a whole kind of point of view experiment. But anyway, uh, he's just a really interesting guy. You know, i got a bunch of movies here this week. This week is, is like self-discovery week. People going off on journeys of self-discovery. It's unbelievable. There's just a ton of these. And I'm going to blow through them really quickly because they all, they're all part of the same, uh, same category. October Baby... Uh, Rachel Hendricks is uh, essentially this, and she's a very good actress. I'm relatively unfamiliar with her, but she's a really sharp young uh, lady who is about to kind of, you know, make some very, very big uh, career and life choices. She's in college, and then there's this family discovery that uh, pushes her off on her journey of self-discovery into a road trip, and it's 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 a it's a decent little movie.
1: Wait a second, wait, no what? one cares about the decent little movie. Now, here's the thing with the cheese oh biscuit I've just given. Now, I oh had to cut gosh. it in half to uh, so that it, it would heat up faster because okay. uh, we're almost done with the show. Yeah. But here, this is a cheese biscuit.
0: And you're going to make me eat at least one bite of the cheese biscuit on the air. Yes, because I, I,
1: okay. I want your unfettered opinion as to whether it's a good cheese biscuit or not. Mm-hmm. And you are going to tell me that it is a good one or a bad one. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it is. See? That's good. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna be finishing that after the show. See you all. You're you ready to hate. You're you, were, you were ready to say something snarky. Yeah, I was
0: ready to say it tastes like a like a like hockey a, puck or, or something, something like that. that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I was gonna say like a coaster, but maybe I'll put my glass on it. Our next journey of self-discovery is uh, Greta Gerwig and Lola versus, um, and um, you know, not bad. Greta Gerwig is not an actress who has always sort of endeared herself to me. But um, in this one, her journey of self-discovery begins not from some life discovery, but when she is dumped just three weeks before her wedding. And uh, bang, there she goes. Now she's on a journey of self-discovery. Very nicely done, actually. Um, Normally I get very cynical about these films, but this is nicely written, nicely executed. And some decent extras here, um, especially a Fox Movie Channel uh, featurette. And uh, a Fox Movie Channel um, uh, thing on the world premiere. All very nice. So, um, and then the on the downside of the self discovery stuff is the magic of Belle Isle, which is uh, I don't know. I, I wanted to like this so much more than I did. I mean, you, you expect more when you got Morgan Freeman, and uh, you know he brings a certain amount of uh, expectation. And then Virginia Madsen, you know, we still remember she, how great she was in Sideways, and, and she brings expectation, and it just doesn't really work. Morgan Freeman is a is a cranky Western novelist, kind of like a Louis L'Amour type, and uh, he's you know on his career is sort of in a well, his life is in a bad place, and he goes to this little place, Belle Isle, where he's where he's recovering um, from some um, some health issues, and I won't meth become, addict. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> anyway, He's and Vir- well, Virginia, Virginia Madsen is a single mom who has these kids that sort of, you know, her, her daughters basically melt his horrible Grinchian heart and uh, open him up again. And it's you know, it's sweet on a lot of levels. The girls are not great actresses; they're kind of overactors. And Virginia Madsen should be better. And uh, and he and Morgan Freeman, frankly, should be a lot less saccharine. The thing that is most disappointing is this, my friend, was directed by Rob Reiner. I know. And he, you was just day. go, oh my gosh. There was once I, a day. There was once a day. And it's like, that's the thing. It's like, I can accept that these actors are maybe doing this as a payday in the movie, you know, whatever. But when you consider that Rob Reiner, Rob Reiner, man, he should know better. He, it's just, he's not the guy he used to be. I don't know what it is. He's just I'm gotten not sure. soft.
1: Either he's gotten soft or he's not getting offered the material that yeah. he wants. Because the thing, or look, it, it, here's the thing though. What people don't, what people have to remember is that if you're an actor on one of these movies, you're working for... Like Morgan Freeman probably worked for what three weeks, four weeks, five weeks on this movie. You know, if you're the director, you're on that thing for like a year. I know, two years for a big film. Yeah. So it's a huge commitment to get one of those things done, whereas opposed to the actors, they show up for a few weeks, they're done. True. So for Rob Reiner to want to, you know, I can see Morgan Freeman wanting to say, "Yeah, I'll do it. Why not? We're buddies." Here's. he here's,
0: the, here's the only thing that kind of redeems this a little bit all three of them do the audio commentary and I, I have to say when you listen to Morgan Freeman and Virginia Madsen and Rob Reiner give you the sales pitch on this movie I almost felt guilty for not liking it I was like oh my gosh you guys you really do like it that much wow maybe I'll give it another shot and then I remembered what I thought of it and I was like no not gonna happen anyway it's on Blu-ray from magnolia uh the movie though that you re- of all these self-discovery movies this is the one man this is the one that just nails it the best exotic marigold hotel one of the big hits of the year a tremendous uh home run for fox searchlight this was the counter-programming triumph of the summer uh all these big blockbuster movies that uh, barely eked out uh, a, a net profit just, you know in spite of all of their their huge budgets and their huge uh Marketing outlays—they were all just way too expensive. But Best Exotic Marigold Hotel is a bona fide hit. This thing made over a hundred million dollars around the world. It is a gigantic hit. Um, might wind up being the most profitable film of the year—this or uh, or Moonrise Kingdom. It'll be a, or or The Intouchables, the French film. It'll be a tough call between those three. Uh, basically, this is about a bunch of uh, of shall we say senior. English and, uh, and British individuals who wind up at this dilapidated Indian hotel thinking that it's actually a better place than it is, all for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, some are there just to revisit India, like, um, uh, well, Maggie Smith is, is the funniest, you, you know, again, Maggie Smith of uh, Downton Abbey. She's this cranky, racist British lady who's only there because it's the only place she can get a, a timely and affordable surgery, and she is just outrageously funny uh Tom Wilkinson grew up in India, and he's there for some mysterious reason. Maggie Smith has lo- or uh, uh, Judy Dench has lost her husband and she's trying to sort of reinvent her life um, Bill Nye is uh, is in it as well it's um it's just great. Dev Patel from uh, Slumdog Millionaire plays the, uh, the guy who runs the hotel, who inherited it from his father, who's trying to make a go of it. It's just a wonderful movie about people who are brought together through circumstances uh, other than what they may have planned and whose lives just take a wonderful turn for the better in most cases. And in others, it's a turn not for the better but for the more honest. It is a terrific movie, one of the, one of the really just great movies of the year.
1: Also, the most important thing about the film is that I believe Despite this one here, I believe that is the first screener we got.
0: Yes, yes, you're right.
1: I, Exotic Marigold is the first screener we got of the year. Now, Wade and I are a member of, of Lafka, and so it is becoming that time of the year. Now, mm-hmm. now the, the smart distributors, the smart studios will start sending you screeners now because by November, it's going to be a cluster F watching all these films and there are a couple of smart distributors including uh, Tribeca just sent um, Booker's Place which I don't know what that is but we'll check it out but the first one we got was the DVD now this is not the DVD that we get through our normal channels this is the DVD for the exotic uh, Marigold Hotel very nice um, a movie I thoroughly hated is Damsels in Distress. Now, this thing was uh, uh, pretty well-received, uh, and I just do not get This thing is just so mannered and so overwritten and so on a wavelength that is just in- indecipherable and so confused, and I just did not like this thing at all. I thought it was a piece of junk, uh, and it pains me to say that because it is the return uh, of Witt Stillman, who was an Oscar-nominated uh, screenwriter, did a bunch of films in the 90s and then kind of disappeared and uh his uh, his muse in this one is uh, Greta Gerwig, who we just talked about, and uh, you know Greta Gerwig does her Greta Gerwig thing, and I just found this movie, which is about uh, a bunch of girls who are at a uh, at, at a college and they're trying to kind of you know attract guys and all the problems they come up with in college and you know, I, I guess there's a moment here or there, but I just think this thing was so completely up its own butt. I just really just disliked it.
0: It was, wh- it was what?
1: Up its own butt. Okay.
0: That's uh, what I thought you said.
1: What did you think I said?
0: No, that's, that's what I thought you said. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly.
1: Uh, anyway, the movie, uh, the, uh, the Blu-ray, that is, includes deleted scenes uh outtakes there's a behind the scenes making up which is not that insightful commentary with Witt stillman which is you know good you know whatever and um there you go i just could not have disliked this film more uh i just think it, it, if, if you like you know what it is it's almost like um like wes anderson to me mm-hmm. he took everything wes anderson is
0: yes which stillman stretch
1: is not. Stretched himself a little bit more right and made Moonrise Kingdom, there you go. which I love, because that is a real—that's one of the it's best coming-of-age sure. romances I've ever seen. It's right so on. good. It's everything Wes Anderson is, but he adds characters you really kind of care about and a realistic love story, right and on. that's not arch. And he—he he knocked it out of the park. Here you get Witt Stillman, who is, can be just as mannered,
0: right on, brother,
1: and uh, he just—he uh, he just tanked it. I just think that, thought this thing was terrible. Now, again, I'm in the minority. I think this thing got like an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. Yeah, you know what? Know. They're all wrong. Yeah, well. This movie sucks.
0: Uh, and we're going to wrap out with two movies that sort of speak to this bizarre parental anxiety that's sweeping Hollywood right now. I, I guess as the more kids that Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt have, that the, all the people in Hollywood now are suddenly uh, feeling like in order to, to keep up, to be hip, to be trendy, they've got to have kids. And they're having all kinds of anxiety about it. So we've got two movies that speak to that. The lesser one is called The Baby Makers. I don't know who comes up with this stuff. Uh, Jay Chandrasekhar, who does all of those horrible um, B- Broken, broken Lizards. Lizard. Oh, gosh. Well, he directed it, and he's also in it. And it's just this is a horrible, stupid movie. Paul Schneider, who, who's just such a good actor. I mean, Paul Schneider is a really good actor. I don't know what his, why he would do this. But he's a guy, basically, who is trying to have a baby with his wife and realizes that he's probably shooting blanks, so... He creates like this heist plan to go to the sperm bank that he once contributed to with some buddies and break in and get the good stuff out. It's just, it's just stupid. Um, There's some behind-the-scenes stuff and some featurette stuff, and it's, it's just a a really lackluster Blu-ray. I gotta tell you, a little bit more acceptable just because it has a good cast is What to Expect When You're Expecting. Now, the book What to Expect When You're Expecting is not a novel. It's literally a book about you know what, what goes on throughout a pregnancy and uh, it's just uh, I don't know who read that and thought you know what I'll bet there's a I'll bet there's a movie in this I, there's a movie in what biology it, that's all
1: it I is No, it's just another you, you, you know look it, it's one of those it's, it's one of the lamer examples of yeah. studios green lighting up pre-existing property that's
0: it that's it it's Well, a anyway, marketing hook the title apparently it's a book
1: except it's a movie there
0: you go well, anyway, you've got Brooklyn Decker, Elizabeth Banks, Cameron Diaz, Jennifer Lopez, all basically uh, doing a very phony pregnant bit in this. But, it, you know, it, it's, it's not just not just egregiously horrible. I mean, it's, it's got its moments. Dennis Quaid and Chris Rock and, you know, the, the, the guys in this have—they uh, they, they keep things afloat. And it's a, it's a light, fluffy cast. And even if the whole thing just feels totally manufactured and completely constructed— it's okay. It, it'll pass the time, and it won't completely drive you bananas. Um,
1: that, you know what? They should put that on the, uh, on the DVD box. <laughs> it'll
0: pass the time, and it won't drive you bananas. Uh, also very thin on the, uh, on the special features end, but it's a, it's a decent Blu-ray transfer. It comes with a digital copy and uh, ultraviolet as well. So it's, you know, that one. I'd say if you have to pick one uh, to satisfy your, your, you know, baby-making and pregnancy anxiety, pick that one and, and skip the baby-makers. Uh, if you need to get to us by email or send us a VoxBox, by all means, please do. You can email us at gods at digigods.com. That's gods at digigods.com. We'll take emails. We'll take VoxBox recordings, any sound format. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. You know what? And the
1: week after that.
0: And the week after that. Just Meanwhile, to spite you. And now I'm going to finish off. The, what's this called, Mark? It's called a, cheesy a biscuit? Cheesy biscuit. Cheesy <laughs> biscuit.